Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, the actual play RPG podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. I am your host as always, Jeff Stormer, and this week on the show, I am joined by Razor for a game of Make Our Own Heaven. Make Our Own Heaven is a role-playing game of community-building, found family, and meaningful resistance. Set on Jupiter's largest city of Jove, the players take on the role of human-angel hybrids, engineered and raised from birth by the Authority, the corporate rulers of Jove, to act as clandestine black ops bioweapons. That is, until the players escaped, now living on the run, relying on their spy training and their heavenly divine abilities, the angels make their way through the city uh, and try to build a community and build something better in the face of this grand oppressive structure. The game is really, really cool. I absolutely loved playing it. I think you should check it out. Uh, You can find more information about Make Our Own Heaven in the show notes. And with all that said, let's go ahead and throw it over to me in the past so that he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. This week, I am so, so excited to be sitting down with Ray. Ray, thank you so much for coming on Party of One. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, hi, I'm uh, I'm Ray, as uh, was just introduced, uh, or Razor, uh, as is on all of my uh, social media. I am a gender-fluid artist living on Waramai and Awabakal land, and I uh, go, I use, rather, uh, they and she pronouns. All right. Um, so at the top of the show, why don't you take a moment and let the lovely listeners at home know about what we are playing this week, as well as anything else you've got going on that you might want them to know about? Yeah, of course. So this week, we're going to be taking a look at my game, Make Our Own Heaven, uh, which is a biopunk angel RPG about uh, runaways building community uh in jupiter's biotech capital uh new heaven absolutely i could not be more excited to dive in and play um so give us the uh you've given us a little bit of the 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 pitch of the game give us a little bit of of scenario background before i create my biopunk angel yeah of course so uh this will be taking place uh a few six months roughly after you have escaped from the lab where you've spent your whole uh, life, uh, you are roughly 19 years old, um, uh, Earth years, to be clear, uh, um, Jovian years, you would be, you'd either be one year old or thousands of years old. I can't remember how fast a Jovian year is, but... Great. Um, right. <laughs> but... Uh, we're going to be... We, the reason that it's set that far forward is so that we don't have to um, deal with the intense paranoia of trying to uh, to find uh, your feet initially mm-hmm. in, a, in a world that you've only ever uh, understood as a, uh, a enemy target. Um, so uh, we, we jump straight into you have somewhat acclimatized to... Uh, to the outside world, and now it is about how do you make your life and and uh, and keep going, and how do you become a part of uh, the community that you've uh, chosen for yourself. And uh, to start off with, I generally recommend making our characters and our community uh, together, and then mm-hmm. we uh, then we'll do a scenario, a short one. Uh, to sort of give you a feel for how the how the game plays, um, 
obviously, uh, after, after the first session, you'll normally have enough plot hooks that you'll just be able to follow, um, the narrative. You won't really need to use the random plot hook generation, uh, table anymore. Um, but, uh, just to get things started to begin with, uh, I've, uh, rolled up, uh, that we will be, uh, helping, uh, a member of our family, our, our found family, uh, make rent, um, um, which it. is a nice, nice, easy one. So to begin with, uh, we normally start by talking a bit about, uh, in the, in the rules as written, we talk a little bit about safety tools and stuff. Mostly we want to talk about any hard lines that we don't want to cross. Mm-hmm. Um, especially considering that we're doing a one shot. So we're going to be pretty fast and loose with it. We've got a bit of a time uh, constraint as well, uh, much like if we were running at a convention or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, definitely think, because this is our first time playing together, we should probably talk about some hard lines. I'm going to go first to help mm-hmm. put you at ease uh, rather than making uh, making you go first. Uh, so a hard line for me is I'm not interested in role-playing sexual assault or really telling narratives that focus on that as a core element. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another example of, of one, that, that's one that I always bring up for myself. Um, and we're also not going to be uh, pro-fascist um, or pro-capitalist uh, in, in our exploration of, uh, of Make Our Own Heaven. Um, All right. Um, so my, my, my go-to, uh, lines are no sexual assault, no incest, no child or animal abuse, and then a veil on, uh, vivid descriptions of eye-related injuries and teeth-related injuries. I don't mind if they get referenced or if, I don't mind if they get referenced or alluded to, but I don't want to see it play out in detail. That sounds good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there, there can be elements of body horror to make our own heaven. So that's like a really good call out. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, yeah, there's a big list of content warnings on, uh, on the make our own heaven, uh, page and at the front of the book. Now I forgot to put it in when we originally launched, but we edited that within a week. Um, and, uh, yeah, so 100%, uh, agree that that is a very good, uh, line to, uh, draw. Um, highlights, is there anything we definitely do want to see? Personally, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty flexible. Uh, we're sort of doing an exploratory play here, so, uh, I can't think of anything in particular to call out. Um, if we were doing a um campaign, I am also pretty flexible. Like, I don't think there's anything that I, I guess the only thing that I would, uh, like to call out as a highlight. Because this is a uh, this is a this is a one shot. This is a tightly contained hour. The thing that I would like to have uh, happen by the end of the session is I'm not especially interested in, I guess, like ending on. I and this is sort of more for us as we get to like the ending of the of the session. Mm-hmm. I'd like to, I'd like to end on like a cool ending beat and less so like, uh, like mid, mid scenario end on a, a a cliffhanger, if that makes sense. Oh, that should be no problem, but that's still a very good, uh, good thing to point out. Uh, yeah, that shouldn't be a problem. 
I think um, I think a note of closure would be my 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 call out for uh, for a highlight if I had to sum it up in a word. I'm confident that we can work towards a nice uh, a nice note of closure rather than a than a a dramatic cliffhanger. Yeah, I um, think that I think that's doable. We won't make a two part episode. <laughs> Fair, I appreciate it. Uh, fantastic. Um, cool. In that case, I think we've got everything we need to move into creating our, uh, our characters. Um, and we're going to start with our characters because that's also going to give us an implication of like the districts that we're going to want to play in and things like that. Sure. Yep. So to begin with, we're going to detail our true self. Uh, this is how we see ourselves and how we uh we the angel players in your case uh how how you uh how you self-describe and self-identify it's not who the it is specifically not who the uh authority the people that control the laboratory you were made in uh wanted you to be it is the version of yourself that you are growing into and creating and and in Mm. a campaign some of these details could change uh so for example i'm pretty sure there's a space on there for um pronouns uh we've left a pretty big space on the Mm -hmm. true self side for name pronoun and like style how you how you dress and stuff because uh one there's the potential that you'll have you'll acquire multiple names for yourself and there's uh, potential to have multiple sets of pronouns and i've just left a lot of room there for the players to uh indulge and be creative with that uh and not feel restricted whereas when we get to the cover identity the lie the necessary bureaucracy those Mm -hmm. the area left for you to fill in is a lot tighter uh, and smaller because the bureaucracy does not allow you to be uh, flexible in your your identity, and it is meant to be fixed. Um, but we'll start with that true self, and you can just fill that in as you will. I think my name is Lucid. Lucid feels like a good name. I think that that's, it is Lucid. Pronouns. Cool she, her pronouns. Lucid, she is... Uh, Lucid style is, as an aesthetic, mm-hmm. a, a, a stylistic choice more than a tactical or practical choice. What are they called? Do you you know the Do you know the UV clothing? The the, the like anti surveillance UV clothing. Oh yeah, yeah, I have a I have a bit of an idea of what you're talking about. Yeah, it's the stuff that like like flashes on camera and like the super oh, bright and oh, like it's um. It's hive. It's the same material that they use to make high vis reflective panels on um, on like uh, on like workmen's clothes and stuff. Because a friend of mine has a windbreaker for cycling that's made entirely out of that that coating and that material. And when you look at it, uh, even just in normal daylight, it looks like a piece of um, CGI. Our clothing has been in real time edited into my vision. 
and superimposed over them. Ex- exactly, um, exactly that. I'm picturing panels of that, it, like, high And it looks even wilder, as you hinted at, on, on cameras and stuff. Like, it'll, yeah. it'll look like it's glowing sometimes, and other times it'll, uh, it'll And it, like, throws, yeah. it, like, specifically throws off the light balance on, like, cameras, so that, like, because it reflects so much light that it, like, makes it hard to detect faces, and it's, like, a very real, like, anti-surveillance, like, clothing choice i imagine yeah. those like cut in like it's those panels cut into uh into like fashion wear and like they they have patterns she's got patterns on her on her clothing but like the aesthetic note is that like high vis material uh in different colors so it's like it's not necessarily oh. just that high vis white i think it is always kind of monochromatic but I think that that she changes the outfit, or she changes the color of the 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 high vis material based on like her mood, her mood, her job, what she's doing that day. Like she picks a color that matches her matches her. Is it her a style. is it a programmable material? Is that sort of? I what think you're it's got at? it's got to be it's got to be like yeah. it's like a, we're, if we're if we're on Jupiter, it's got to be programmable. Yeah, and because it's uh, and, and and because it's biopunk, what it probably is is it's probably like semi alive. Uh, like cuttlefish skin mm-hmm. that's uh, that's like woven into the cloth, and there's probably like a small like bladder on the inside of like your jacket or whatever that you have to like clip in little cartridges into every like mm. month that feed the feed your jacket. Like your jacket that's is cool. a, that's is a living organism. Um, cool. All right. Well, so we've got our true self to a degree, and and mm-hmm. to give an example as well for people playing at home. I once had a player who just wrote in their style, um, floral. So like mm. every, th- that was just a note for us to remember how to describe, uh, their character. And so like they're covered in floral tattoos and they wear floral sundresses in, uh, in New Heaven, uh, which is for the most part a very humid and dark, uh, uh, city. If you don't live in, if you don't live in the central districts, um, it's, uh, it's very humid. Um, it always looks like it just uh, in Lotus in particular, one of the districts. It l- always looks like it just stopped raining, and it always feels like it just stopped raining on a hot day. Um, so now we're gonna look at our cover identity, and so your cover identity is the necessary lie that you tell to the bureaucracy. Um, uh, whereas there's only the three fields on your true self for your cover identity, uh-huh. we have name profession, residence, citizenship, and uh, gene code. And probably the one that we will most need to explain there is gene code, uh, which is something somewhat unique to the setting. So um, I'm just going to read this paragraph out while you have a think about those other things, because it'll kind of help uh, help you... Uh, think about it. So, your cover identity will stand up to a cursory inspection, but a deeper investigation will cause it to collapse. The best example of this is your gene code. Different levels are assigned to people uh, by the city based on their socioeconomic class. It's etched into the junk DNA of everyone in New Heaven, be they visitor or not. Uh, they are used by the police to look up your ID, re- uh, read by hotels and stores before letting you in, and are even used to access your bank account. Uh, your the angels don't have unique gene codes. They didn't. 
they weren't born in like a public hospital or a private hospital, uh, really. Uh, they were born in a lab, so they weren't assigned gene codes by the state when they were born, and unlike uh, people passing through uh, through the... Fuck, what is the term I'm looking for? Passing through border security, uh, mm-hmm. they weren't given one on arrival um, because you didn't come from outside, you came from deep within the bowels of the station. If you decide that your character has a gene co- code, then you got it on the black market. Uh, so it's either stolen or completely falsified. If it's a stolen gene code, it'll probably get you past door scans, but a police scan will flag it because it'll be attached to either somebody that sold their own gene code, and so it'll be a duplicate, uh, or it'll be from a dead person. Um, and so... Uh, there's just too many trails, and also, you know, what kind of person would sell their identity, um, mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. Uh, if it is a fully falsified gene code, that costs you a fortune, uh, uh, but it will probably uh, get you past most um, most police checkpoints and things like that, but it immediately creates an entanglement and a plot hook, future plot hook for us uh, as characters. Um, I had one play group where the players, there were two players, and they decided that only one of them had a gene code. Um, and so uh, that was a potential play hook for later of how can we get enough money to get a gene code for for my brother, basically. Um, mm. So there, there's a lot of drama that you can have in there. But the other things, uh, the yeah. So what are, what are we thinking for that? Um, my name is Arceus, A-R-C-A-E-U-S. Um, Arceus, she is, her profession is... <sighs> thinking this through... It can be a lie, too. Like, you can just put whatever you... You can have a fully falsified profession that you don't do. Like, it uh, it could say that you're a, a bouncer, but, like, you don't do any... You do, don't do that at all. Or it could be... Uh, or you could go the Dark Angel route and you could be a uh, courier. <laughs> a bicycle courier. Um, I I think my, my, my on-the-books profession is, uh, is accounts deliverable. Sure. Accounts deliverable is my is my on the uh is my on the books profession. It is the type of thing that is so boring that nobody would really like look at it twice, and that is by design. Uh the district like how James Bond works in shipping. Exactly. It's it's exactly it's the kind of thing that you hear and you're like, I'm not gonna I'm not pressing that because it doesn't sound like there's gonna be an interesting answer that comes from it. As for the district that I live in. Yeah, which can also, again, be falsified. So we had one in a playtest players say that they they had their residence falsified as being from uh, living in uh, inner docks, uh, which is sort of like the middle class district, uh, for lack of a better word. Um and uh but they lived in uh in lotus in in reality which is your uh main lower class sort of living and then you have heidi which is your ultra lower class it's basically mm-hmm. a an organized slum um 
although it has its charms too. Like, all of these places have been... All of the outer districts have been made so that they... They have faults, but there are still reasons why people live there. For um, sure. They're not I, all I, just horrible places to live. I actually live in, in Heidi, and my uh, my residence, like, on the books is in Centro, the Central Business District. Yeah, nice. So Centro is sort of, yeah. In Australia, we call that a Central Business di- District. It's the, it's the core part of a city. It's where mm-hmm. all the high-rises and stuff are. It's not necessarily actually the business district district that's just the term that we use in in australia um and i couldn't find a better term than than the than the one we use here i mean that feels very sci-fi like that feels more sci-fi than calling it downtown which is what we would call it in america so like that feels like the adequately that feels like the right way to go it also is great because of the structure of uh of New Heaven being kind of concentric rings of habitation around one another. Mm-hmm. Centro, the central business district is almost exactly at the center of the, of the station with the only thing being even more central than that being gateway, the private rich people, uh, terrarium, uh, uh, that no one else is allowed inside of. And I think my citizenship is, uh, from Jove and my gene code, which is stolen, is... I don't like it being purple or gold. I'm going to say green. I'm leaning yeah, to so between green. I think green is green is fair. I don't think that my... I, I think that purple or gold would feel too auspicious and so much of this cover identity is built to... is built so that no one asks the questions and I think yeah, that red, green red, feels like an adequate... The other thing too would be that red being the lowest level would be very odd that somebody living in Centro would only have mm-hmm. red clearance because like red is is really low income. That's like mm-hmm. no savings. That's uh, Green is like barely any savings, but uh, it's, it's uh, possible that you could be uh, you could be living in Centro either on some kind because of some kind of contract or, or, uh, or as a as part of work or something like that. Um, so that's that's at least believable. Yeah, <laughs> and I be- think that's I think that's where Lucid wants to be in terms of like in terms of her cover identity is not necessary. Like I like I think that how she carries herself, how she dresses, how she acts, like. Her demeanor, like, everything about her, if she had a gene code of purple, like, it would feel out of place. Mm -hmm. It's that sense of if you've ever, like, I have had the unique misfortune of being at some, like, ultra-high-end rich people functions, and it's some of the worst experiences of my life. And, like, there's just, there's, there is this, like, inherent disconnect like disconnect where like you just don't fully understand like how that reality works or like like what like things things feel slightly off like the camera is being shot at an angle and i think that is why i think that she made the very conscious decision to seek out a to seek out a a green gene code because he was like, I'm not going to be able to make someone think that I've lived in it, that I've lived like a purple gene code life my entire life. You said that yours is uh, is stolen. Um, 
right? I don't, I'm not misremembering yeah, 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 that. Yeah, 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 She's, yeah. She'd stole. Does that mean that your name is the name of the person that it was stolen from? Oh, absolutely. I Absolutely. This is, this is, uh, I think that it, that, yeah, that maps out perfectly. It's worth uh, talking about too, because we're about to pick, uh, pick your skill specialties. The players, we, the players have been, the, the angels rather, were, were trained to be, uh, Super soldier, spy, thief, like all purpose tools by their, by the authority. So it's not impossible, uh, that you did the thieving and spoofing yourself. Did you, like, fresh out of the lab mug some Centro resident and spoof their gene code with a, with a stolen biocomputer? I think that, like, I didn't necessarily do that myself, but I didn't ask the question. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that, like, I did a, and this kind of falls into, like, Lucid's, I think, current situation and current life a little bit and kind of is given, gives me a picture of skills as well. Mm -hmm. I found someone that, like, was offered, that, like, had accommodations available whether that, you know, that meant that meant a gene code, that meant that meant a place to stay. Like, I found somebody that, like, had a had a roof for sale and I, I got connected to somebody that had gene codes. And I did not ask the question at any point where this came from or how they got a hold of this gene code. I simply said, I don't have money. If you need somebody to do a job, I am very good at at hunting and retrieving things. Yeah. And like, I, I kind of did a little bit of a bounty hunter trade to be like, uh, you know, give me this gene code and I will, I will, I will fill, pull off a job for you. And then I pulled off a job for you. And now I have a relative, like I have not a great arrangement, but like a steady arrangement. And, and the last six months have been a feeling of this is a debt that is, Actually, we we should explore this. Is this the thing of uh, they did you a favor and now you're going to be paying this off forever, or is this genuinely an equitable trade and now you're just in good business with one another? Um, because both are possible within New Heaven. Some some of the criminals within New Heaven uh, fancy themselves Robin Hoods. Uh, uh, and think that they are doing people, like, uh, favours by running the criminal world. Whether that is true or not is, uh, up to our exploration. And then other times it's, they're just, they're just, like, the normal way that we would imagine, uh, criminals. Uh, although it is important to note that all crime within New Heaven is the result of inequality. There's no reason that people need to have gene codes... Uh, for mm-hmm. for this space station to function, it is purely an imposition uh, imposed on people by uh, by the people that run the station. So, just to clarify, uh, uh, crime is an unfortunate byproduct of, uh, well, not an unfortunate byproduct, is a byproduct of inequality. And if uh, there was not inequality in New Heaven, then there wouldn't be uh, crime, at least not in the way we imagine it. I think it started as the first option and ended as the second option. Yeah, so now I you're sort of on good terms with this person. It, yeah, it kind of started like I approached them, they gave me a devil's bargain, 
Yep. And then like once they once they saw how easily I pulled off the job, like there is a sense of like I think there is a sense that like not quite mutually assured destruction, not quite respect, but a little bit of both of those things. It's the sense that like it's the we realization are both- that you are in fact not a pawn. Like yeah. they thought you were when you we, arrived. We both we both recognize that the other party is not necessarily to be trusted, mm-hmm. but is the best working relationship that we are going to be able to muster. I think we're going to come back to this person and list them either as a friend or an ally uh, when we when we come back. It sounds like they're not family, but when we get to the community sheet, I definitely think that this person is on one of the is on friends or allies. Uh, but um, we've we've sort of explored that, and now I think that you have an idea of your skills. Uh, so in Make Our Own Heaven, we have these three three lists of five. Uh, skills. Now you have access to all of these skills. You're trained in all of these things. I won't read them all out, but they're broken into thief, soldier, and spy uh, as categories. And in each category, you have one specialty. So uh, I've had a few times where people have thought that they couldn't use, uh, they only had three skills they could use. You can use all 15 skills. You're just really good at three of them, one in each, uh, in each category um uh so what are we thinking for your specialties from thief it is uh it is breaking it is stealth and evasion from thief it is combat training from soldier and it is target surveillance from spy like i said i am a hunter i am I am spectacularly good at at stalking yeah, and think, hunting. I think things. that fits the bounty hunter better. So, so to to clarify the difference between like target surveillance and security evaluation, for example, security evaluation is how can I get into a place. Target mm-hmm. surveillance is uh, following a person, but we could also use it for for like tracking down a a person um, if mm-hmm. you already have a lead. Um, yeah, target surveillance is is surveilling someone, following them, um, studying their movements. Uh, whereas security evaluation is working out how to enter a place. Um, yeah, that feels right. Stealth and evasion, combat training, and target surveillance. Awesome. So we tick uh, you tick those so that we know that they're your specialties, um, and uh, and we now pick your divine uh, powers, your divine manifestations. Um, so the earthly skills represent the training that the angels received in their time spent in in the lab. The divine powers, rep- they represent your your angelic heritage, uh, right? These are mm-hmm. these are the things these are the ways that your recombinant angelic human hybrid DNA uh, manifest the uh, truly impossible powers of your of your uh, angelic heritage. Um, like these defy science, and yet they are somehow tied to you biologically. Uh, so we have two categories: subtle manifestations and obvious manifestations. So you get two subtle and one obvious. Your subtle manifestations you can use without giving away that they're being used. They're normally 
internal changes to your biology. Obvious manifestations are dramatic changes to your biology that manifest outwardly uh, too. They are uh, tend to be much more dramatic in their effect, um, but they uh, there is no way to hide that you're using them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't hide suddenly having been covered in a layer of obsidian skin. Right. Um, but uh, being uh, but your blood changing its shape inside your body is uh, is easy enough to hide. So I'm choosing two subtle manifestations, and I think the two manifestations I'm going to choose are I don't want to go with a sense for lies because that feels that feels easy, and I want to avoid easy necessarily. Yeah, but I and might for come the back people playing at home, your sk- the skills are used to make rolls, whereas mm-hmm. divine powers are used to either completely bypass challenges um, or allow the player to do the impossible. So, like, if you have invulnerable, void-proof obsidian skin as an obvious manifestation, that means that you can, like, walk through fire, um, and that'll be just be... We just bypassed, like, being in a burning building as an obstacle. Like, you could just walk around mm-hmm. in that as long as the ob- uh, the manifestation is on. Um or it allows you to go into space without a spacesuit. Um, so, like, that's not necessarily bypassing an obstacle in that second case. That's, we don't need to worry about a spacesuit, but then there might be other obstacles that would still be trouble, regardless of mm-hmm. whether you're void-proof or not. Like, if you get into a fight in Zero-G, uh, the void-proof obsidian skin doesn't allow you to bypass that fight uh it just means that no one can like smash your uh your visor and make you suffocate i think my subtle manifestations are the skills of the angelic artisans nice and i'm drawn to a sense for lightning and fire it can be quite useful it's just a compelling phrase that that is that is popping off to me and as for my my obvious manifestation I really love a a physique of shadow, smoke, and light. Is I is, think that'll is be useful for you. That feels they all all of those things feel like part of why I think Lucid has become so comfortable in the life that she has kind of built for herself to this mm-hmm. to this uh this concept is I think that that she's just got a natural suite of abilities and training that have that that have pushed her into this life. That she necess- wouldn't necessarily choose if she had the option, but like, as she, where she is in her life at this moment, she is she is comfortable leaning on her ability to find a space for herself. Yeah, I think that sounds that sounds right. Um, and during in in a in a longer form play, you would uh, start manifesting more of these as you uh, as you played. So, whereas your skill specialties are locked, which is why you have access to all skills, but only get three specialties, um, because they represent like training, you can, you can just start manifesting new manifestations as you play, and they'll normally come with complications, uh, because as, when a new manifestation comes, it's, uh, it's a pretty serious change to your, uh, to your health, mm-hmm. um, which is actually where, to a degree, glitches come in. So glitches are purely narrative hooks 
um, that represent ways in which, without the support of uh, of specialized uh, uh, doctors and laboratories, the ways in which your body is uh, becoming more complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, a really good example of this from Dark Angel, which is one of the touchstones for this game, is that uh, the main character, Max Gravera, can't produce uh, serotonin in her body on its own. Now, they did that on purpose um, so that she would be dependent on the company that made her uh, for to live, and she had to find ways to acquire serotonin otherwise, which meant taking medications and stuff. Uh, and that would come up as complications in some episodes uh, of that uh, of that show. Here, the glitches are purely uh, incidental uh, consequences of making a transgenic organism from million year old DNA uh, and uh, and human <laughs> human scraps. Uh, so, uh, but they can be things like, uh, uh, light sensitivity or like your body grows feathers at random. Um, uh, and, uh, and they can sort of run the gambit, uh, from, uh, from real medical conditions to more, uh, more fantastical. You don't have to have one. Um, but I, it was a, it was pretty much the only time we were going to mention it if you didn't have one. Mm. Um, but you don't have to have one by all means, especially not when starting. Um, but, uh, so but that's I, what I do, those are. I do have a glitch in mind. Sure. I think if that you this, want, you can put I th- it on there. I think that this, um, this, uh, this outfit that I have, this, this, uh, this, this high vis outfit is, not so much like it is an outfit, but it is it is like also my skin. Like I think that this is like a permanent graft situation. It is it is it is my body is the this outfit and is this this puffer fish uh, jelly. Like this is these are these are bio mods that were added to my flesh, and. My glitch manifests through this specifically, and that is that wire, not wires, but like connections are visible on my skin, which is to say if I make contact with a pad, like a did, like a, oh, it's like, like a o- organic circuitry. Yeah, circuitry. That's the word I'm looking for. Like if yeah. I make contact with circuitry or like, or like a very particularly thin metal plate that has circuitry on the other side, that circuitry like unnaturally. And I think that these bio mods, this this pufferfish jelly is like a fairly common bio mod. Like it's yeah, it's it it's not it's it is a style choice. It's not necessarily one that is like super unusual to see, but where mine becomes obviously like different is when I touch that circuitry, that circuitry runs through my entire body and, like, becomes visible in the jelly on the the pads all over my body in a way that looks like it is obviously malfunctioning in a way that it should not be able to or physically possible for it to malfunction. Is that an extension of your sense of, uh, of fire and lightning? 
I think it is. I think the lightning runs through, like, runs through me with this circuitry that isn't really there. I wonder if the lab, uh, if the chief doctor was like, hmm, this one can detect lightning and stuff. Maybe we can enhance that so that they can physically connect to computers. And then that just didn't end up it didn't working. Work. But it just did not. It just did not work. <laughs> but, but you've already got the mods in. It's like, well, they'll die if we take them out. And they're still usable. So, uh. We're and I think it, I think it, this one. I think it does also become painful over, like it's not immediate. It's that sense of like when you get like a red mark on your skin. It's not necessarily like or like um, it's a little bit like hives, like an allergy mm. hive, where it's like yeah. not necessarily like it can just turn into blotchy skin, but it can also become itchy and painful and infected and all these other horrible things. But yeah. like there is that immediate physical response of like. Of, like, color change, and then, like, there is, if, like, prolonged exposure becomes painful, and, like, it it expands out from there. Yeah, I think that that's pretty good. Um, alright, well, I think that's all of the character stuff. Now we just need to do the community creation. Uh, so, for the community creation, we're looking at, um... We're looking at the place where the player, uh, where the players have decided to to live. It's not just the district that they live in. The community can be, cr- uh, be cross district, uh, but it is the specific like niche that they're filling. And, and a good place to start with that is to talk about like who took you in after, after you escaped. So we've talked a little bit about how there was this sort of, um, transactional business relationship that you had with someone and that led to the gene code i'm not sure although it is up to you whether that's the same person that like gave you refuge i think it is i've been thinking about this and i think it is and it is an and it is a crime outfit and like we said this this is a crime outfit that exists as a result of inequality it is a crime outfit it is an organized crime outfit that exists in the confines or like facilitated through a massive tenement style apartment building in in Heidi like yeah, they so, like uh, for people playing at home Heidi is this like um was meant to be this like modular uh shipping container suburb where they could move housing around uh this like ring of parking lots essentially near the outer docks, the massive, uh, massive docking, uh, facility that is the massive port that is like kind of the whole point for, uh, for New Heaven existing. And these shipping containers were meant to be like temporary housing. And then they just kept needing more temporary housing. And eventually they filled it up with so many shipping containers that now you can't rearrange Heidi. It's, uh, it's kind of locked. Uh, there's no free spaces, but you can just keep stacking higher. Um, and so more containers are just added every year. And I think, I think that this particular, it is like a block of, it is a block of container houses this mm-hmm. that have formed this sort of makeshift apartment complex. And like this particular apartment complex, like is facilitated, like it is maintained by uh like let's buy i mean i was gonna say a landlord but like what is a landlord except an organized crime outfit it is 
an organized crime outfit that like 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 offers people places to stay and then like connects them with stuff that they need in you know in these sorts of devil's bargains and Mm -hmm. i think that they that that the arrangement that we had started out in that space and became one where they kind of expected me you know it's it's one of those deals where they 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 offer you a job kind of knowing that the job is going to go wrong and that they're going to have to bail you out and that's going to be the first way that they kind of dig you deeper and they didn't have to bail you out no, I actually went above and beyond and they were yeah. like, oh, shit. OK, yeah, fine. um, Cool. And like it was that moment of it was that like that moment of like, oh, you're actually you're actually competent in ways that we weren't prepared for. And I think it's that like there's a there's a sense of community in the complex that is that is complicated by the existence of this crime outfit, but also. Like you were saying, like a little bit of that, like feigned benevolence of that crime outfit. Like they yeah, are, um, they are taking care of the people in this in this complex, even as they do it in a bid. Even to as they this. also exploit them. Yeah, there's a uh, there's an interesting anecdote here that I'll tell quickly. Um, that is that uh, lots of yakuza syndicates within Japan. Um, view themselves as kind of, well, not lots, but some, view themselves as, like, heirs to feudal, uh, like, not dynasties, but feudal ideals, and view the, like, people that they exploit as, as, like, kind of, like, feudal subjects, to a degree, uh, to draw a comparison, uh, but at the same time, many of the um, yakuza of the of the yakuza that feel this way also feel that they have an obligation. So after the Fukushima disaster in Japan, some of the first uh, large scale relief efforts on the ground were headed up by local yakuza members who started handing out like all the shit that they had stolen and and whatnot, um, because. They, there was this sense of like, well, look, we spent all this time saying that they had to like pay us protection or whatever because we were going to protect them. And now we have to make good on that promise. We didn't imagine we'd ever have to make good on that promise, but now we have to make good on that promise. Um, I imagine that there's sort of a, that, that thing. And whether that anecdote is like, my understanding is that anecdote is true. Whether it is true, I'm not an expert in Japanese culture or Yakuza. That's just a news article I read. At the time. Uh, so whether that is. And so that's kind of the energy that I think this particular this particular outfit brings is is yes, we are. Yes, we are. We are making you pay us protection money. Yes, you are in our debt, but we also are going to follow through. And, you know, because like we said, like, the you know, there are there are actual there are actual villains here and. Uh, and while these while these particular this crime outfit is also a, a a villain, they are they are less of a villain than the societal villains that have put everyone into these positions. Yeah, exactly. They're not they're not a tool of the authority. They are a they are a byproduct of the authority's control. Exactly. Exactly. Um. Awesome. Cool. So that sounds like our home district is sorted as well at the same time. Mm-hmm. So our home district is definitely Heidi. Uh, that's where we're gonna be. Um. I think. Um, um, institutions, I think this crime syndicate, we should probably give them a name just to make it easier to reference. 
Um, my thoughts are the Tenant Society. Uh, the Tenant Society that- is the Tenant Society is very good. Like I like sort that. Of on the nose. <laughs> I I think there's the Tenant Society. So so institutions and pillars. There are people and places that we are going to map out. And I think a pillar. I think two separate pillars. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a distinction here that is important, though the lines blur, kind of intentionally, kind of not, but I think there's the Tenant Society and the Tenant Council. The Tenant Council is the actual crime outfit. They are the yep. people that I work for, and the Tenant Society is, like, the, the Tenant Society, people. the Tenant Society houses, yeah, they are the people that, like, are in this. There's kind of a communal spirit of... Yeah, look, we're kind of all screwed together. And like there's kind of like an un and there's 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 an agreement between the tenant council and the tenant society. Yeah, that sounds good. And we think that those are we want to codify those as pillars or institutions. I think those are I think those are pillars because and I think people. that yeah, they're people. These are the people around us that we're interacting with and they're fixtures of of the place. Right. Um, they're they're yeah, the, they're the, they're the 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 groups of people that I'm interacting with particularly. Cool. That's the tenant society and the tenants council. And the institution that I want to drop in is uh and that can be like something that's like next to this high rise or it can be part of the high rise. Um a question would be is this how 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 oh man, how much is this uh this uh, sort of like apartment high rise, like um, Kowloon Wall City. Pretty close. I'd, specifically, the institution that I want to add in is uh, is the crane. It hasn't moved in years, but there is like there are these cranes that are theoretically designed to mm-hmm. move boxes around. Yeah, they're used for like moving between local stacks, whereas like longer stacks you'd use like uh, like container ships. Container tugs, essentially, like little shuttles that attach and And so, like, the crane is a little bit like what you would describe, like, the water tower. Like, it's like the local, it's like the local spot. It's like, you know, down by, okay, oh, we're gonna, you go to the crane, it's three, it's three boxes down from that. Like, it's three stacks away from the crane. Like, that is the reference point that everybody kind of uses because it is, it is, like, mo- more fixed, even though everything is kind of fixed, it's more yeah, fixed. Yeah, there's no, like, street numbers or anything <laughs> in, uh, in, in, uh, in a Heidi. It's just, like, rack numbers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so this just makes it easy. Yeah, if you go to the crane, it's going to be faster than looking for, like, row 29. Like, just take you forever. Just, just go to the big crane. Just, just meet us by the crane. I love the idea too of like kids because Heidi isn't enclosed. It doesn't have a um it doesn't have a it has tunnels between uh like between the rows and stuff that allow you to travel, but it's not enclosed like the other uh districts are. It's sort of like naked to the void. I kinda love the idea of kids like stealing emergency vac suits from from like little uh, airlocks or like borrowing like their parents' vac suit if their parents work like down on the docks and sneaking up onto the crane, uh, like just a thin layer of plastic separating them from space. Um, in the same way that you would climb a water tower, there's just a lot more inherent danger here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it would be I nothing like to these people because they live live it right. Like there's a thin layer of plastic. 
between them and space when they walk to school. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not any more dangerous uh, compared to the rest of their life. Um, cool. Um, now we're going to talk about allies, friends, and family. I guess we... I guess for... I guess for... F- definitely friend. I don't know if they're family, but uh, definitely for friend, the person that it was your direct contact with the tenants' council. Like, the person that was like, oh, actually... This person's worth our time. The person that yeah. kind of almost sponsored you, in a sense. Yeah. I mean, you could have them be your family if you want. That just suggests a much stronger connection than I thought I think that you had. I think they're a friend. I think they're... I'm going to actually put them into into ally, because I think that, like... They make demands of you? Yeah, they make demands of me, and I make... I, I, I ask for things from them, and that's, like... The relationship that Ally- we have. Favors, I- so, so allies, friends, and family can do you favors, essentially, within the game. And uh, ally favors always come with strings attached. Whereas friends and, whereas friends and families, family can't give you as much as what allies can. Allies always want something out of it. Friends are, friends support you in your struggles and family join you in your struggles. Your struggles are theirs. So that sort of helps you quickly determine yeah. who is what. This is um, this is an ally. Um his name, he his pronouns, his name is uh his name is uh is is Lodo Kardaki. Lodo Kardaki. Lodo okay. uh Lodo is Lodo is he is a, he is a lieutenant. He is a he is an enforcer and a lieutenant. Um it is his job to he is he describes himself as head of procurement. It is his job to get things. And I was very good at getting things. And in terms so, of um imagining like their demeanor towards you, are we thinking more an older brother or an older uncle? I am thinking um this is this is I think older uncle. I think I think yeah. we are envisioning uh, a friendly a hug and a, a hug and a drink and then like uh and then let's a, get down to business like a vague under a vague misunderstood like a vague lack of understanding of like the details of your life because i'm not going to retain them mm-hmm. but that kind of that kind of congeniality is is a two-way street he like tells you to meet him at some pub and then he's like you know he buys you a beer he asks you how you've been and he's like all right well we're not here to fuck spiders Exactly. I got a job for you. Uh, cool. Half, um, half the time, I half the time I lie to him just to see if he'll pick up on it, and like he <laughs> never does. Yeah. Just like I'll throw in one weird, I'll throw in like one incongruous detail. Like, yeah, I started playing the tuba, and like never follows up on it. Like, does not pay close enough attention to to the stories that I tell. He doesn't want to give away stuff. that he doesn't actually know what a tuba is. Exactly. Like, it's just that, like, and, like, you know, it's that kind of sense of, like, we're both, we're both aware of the grift. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the only thing that we definitely have to create before we jump into play is a family member. Um, so, uh, everyone needs to start with a family, uh, member, just, otherwise you're gonna be, uh, you're gonna be just getting further into debt, essentially, with your allies, and, but also a family member creates a uh, connection to the community in ways that the other um, people in that resource section don't. 
Um, so a family member is somebody that is, that is in it with you. They're someone that you care for and they care for you. They share in your struggles. Um, uh, and, uh, and you can, you can come to them for anything. Um, uh, this doesn't have, this is normally somebody from the, that is a part of the community that you're in, like, um, and was part of that before you got here. So, like, for example, if we were both, if there were two angels in this playthrough, you wouldn't list the other angel that is here as your, as, as a family member. We know that they are family members, but you don't, you don't use them mechanically in the same way. Um, uh, you just take them with you when you do jobs because they're like, they're another player. Um, so yeah. Uh, we need to make like a like a, a family member, someone who who, yeah, uh, took you in or looks out for you, um, uh, somebody that uh, that cares for you. Um, her name is her name is uh is is Drayden Lux. Drayden, she older older uh older woman has been around the the tenements for a while. Um, is one of the few people that, like, is probably, like, isn't necessarily, like, I, I, I like the idea that she's, she's old enough and she's been around long enough where she might be, I, she's either so in debt that, like, it is no, that, like, or I, I think what it is, is that she is, she's been around long enough that she is, like, effectively no longer in debt, like, and, like, They've they've kind of they they've just recognized her as a staple of the of the of the the tenement uh of the tenement society like she and and in part because she serves the she serves the council a purpose in being someone that can kind of like keep people from getting keep people from she she's a pacifying element uh which is an edge that she has and is you know a bit of a. a bit of a complication to her but also she exists just as a like friendly face that like keeps thing keeps keeps things from boiling over nice that sounds good does she have a name sorry i might have missed uh drayden uh i think i said drayden lux uh drayden lux she her pronouns that works cool um nice so we've made our community sheet i think that's everything we need to do before we uh do uh before we jump right into it and consider all right time constraints we might just go straight into that let's do it so i think uh i think it's afternoon for what passes for afternoon out in heidi um i think you are you're returning home from work or a job or something uh and you come into the into the like ground the the entry container of your of your block here um and uh and you can immediately smell uh the that like synthetic uh tobacco smell of uh of Drayden's like vape. Mm. Um uh as she like uh walks over uh as she's sort of waiting there for you to get home. And you can see that she's got like mail in her in her hand. I think that I immediately, like, I, I kind of, I walk over and I kind of, like, uh, playfully, but playfully, but a little forcefully, like, 
kind of like flip the the vape out of her hand and like like take a hit of the vape and like look down at the mail like flip the vape back into my hand put it back in her hand like what's the damage well uh they've forwarded you another bill from your address in centro and she hands you that letter um and then there's a bunch of junk mail, and she just chucks that into, like, a recycler. <laughs> sure, yeah, attracts. Uh, there's a letter from your ex-wife. Wow, damn, my life is, my life is fascinating. Uh, hands that to, and then there's, uh, there's, uh, there's a little, little request from an old lady in your building, and she looks at you uh, as if she's about to ask you to do her a favor. I take the vape back, put it in my mouth. Yeah, what do you got? You gotta stop taking my vape! She pulls out a second vape. Uh, Well, then you got one to spare. What do you got? Yeah, exactly. You don't lose it this time. You keep that one, so we don't have to do this back and forth again. Uh, look, um... Carmen, uh, you know Carmen in in uh, mm-hmm. in the red red container. Yep. Um, her her husband had an accident at work, uh, out on the docks, and and uh, they haven't been able to get enough money in uh, this this week, and uh, and the the tenant council has already given them so much leeway that they're considering getting rid of them. Now, I, I told them that they're not allowed to do that, because she's an important part of the community, but they're just not listening. So, uh, I was wondering if maybe you could help Carmen find the money that she needs. Because oh, you're so that... good at finding stuff. Oh, is that all you need? You could have just come out and said that. Why are you? Why are you giving? You walking it? Listen, listen. And I put a hand on her shoulder. I kind of sit back on top of the recycler a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. if you want me to, if you want me to scrounge up some money, just tell me. Hey, scrounge up some money by this time next Tuesday, and I'll scrounge up some money by this time next Tuesday. Well, I've pro- got this. The problem is, is that it's it's quite a lot of lot of money because you know their their kids sick and the husband's injured. There's some few medical, but it's about two thousand credits, which is like triple your rent. To be clear. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Now, now the sob story is starting to make sense. But and, I, you know, I, I've all, I've told you since you got here. If you're gonna ask somebody for a favor, you got to do it in person. And uh, and and uh, and and Carmen, uh, she didn't want to ask anybody. She she's determined to try and do it all on her own. And I don't, you know, you gotta you gotta you gotta be part of the community. Everybody around here loves you, and they're willing to help. And so, all right, I decided to come and ask you on her behalf. But uh, it's important to me that uh, that when you're asking somebody a favor, you do it in person. I'm always telling you, you're gonna ask somebody for a favor, you gotta do it in person. All right, all right, all right. Here's how this is. Don't you don't gotta worry about a thing. I I hear what you're saying. If you're gonna ask somebody a favor, you gotta do it in person. I get it. I appreciate it. You know, you understand it as well as I do. Lodo, that's why I'm coming to you. Or I need a job. I need some work. And the, we see the camera like That's swoop around. That's a brilliant transition. I almost missed it. I need I need two thousand credits. I need a job. 
What do you what do you got for me? What has gone what has gone missing? What has By the way, how are you? Are you good? I didn't even ask if you're good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. All right, fine. great, great. Small talk out of the way. I think Lardo's like sucking on a hookah. I am still I still have the vape in my mouth. Yeah. All right, great. Small talk. Drinking something, and I'm like, no, actually, a hookah. He's, he's having a suck on a hookah and drinking, like, some tea. Um, this is, like, a, a Turkish restaurant that's, like, uh, down... It's it's past the crane, whereas you're before the crane. He's down past the crane um, uh, at this restaurant. He's like, all right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, 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 I'm, I'm good. You know, the, you know, the kids... Well, you know, the kids. You you know, you're a kid. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I get it, I get it, I get it. You know, uh, I uh, I started coaching a little league team. <gasps> anyway, know. anyway. He doesn't know you made that up. I know you made that up. Could you imagine <laughs> this angelic super soldier coaching a little little league team? God. That's why you've got to take performance-enhancing drugs. You're never going to get an edge on the team. That's right. That's that's it's it's about tactical of uh, tactically overcoming an objective. <laughs> it, uh, it doesn't matter how you win. It only matters who's left. Um. So. Uh. All right. All right. So I got I got something for you. You got some uh, for me. I got some for you. There's this. Right. There's this ship down down on uh, down on the docks. You might have heard it. It's called the Wrath. R-A-T-H. It's like this ghost ship. It's been sitting at the docks forever, but uh, it's been bouncing around between between a bunch of syndicates. My friend Carl down at, uh, at the Red Docks Association, he recently got the uh, debt fees for it transferred to his operation. They want to collect on it. Uh, Rath's registration is some corporation out near fucking, like, uh, Neptune or whatever, which is ridiculous. Oh, how they uh, how they fuck. keep dodging these fees is probably just because nobody wants to travel out there. That's like a sixteen month right. journey. Uh, but uh, I'm confident that you can go and find me something worthwhile in that damn tin can. So I want you to either find uh, find somebody on this station that can pay those dock fees, or find out what is inside that ghost ship. Because it's covered in containers from the outside, we can see that it's not unloaded, and it's just sitting there. It's sitting there for, like, ten years, doing oh. nothing, racking up dock fees. Then why am, I, why am I not there right now, Lodo? Listen, listen, listen. This is going to be this is gonna be the easiest job I ever did. And, and, and the pan camera has again panned around, and I'm standing outside of this, of this ghost ship. I fully, I now take the vape out of my mouth. I stash it in a pocket. Easiest job I ever did. Yeah, you're standing there on like the docking arm, and uh, and you can see in front of you is the like the the airlock to the like crew section of the ship. It's uh, it's probably the cockpit and the crew section connected. Um, and uh, and there's all these there's like tape all over the door. That's like, uh, and, and heaps and heaps of like bill notices stuck to it. And you can see that there's like a, um, the, it, it wouldn't say condemned, but it would, uh, it would say like no entry. And there's like this orange double stick over the center seam of this, like, uh, this sliding open door. It's like big metal sliding open bulkhead mm -hmm. thing. 
Uh, and it's just got like a tape over the seams, sealing it up. Uh, yeah, and the door's just covered in like bill notices. Um, and uh, and there's a little broken security camera uh, uh, just over your shoulder as you're sort of standing between the door and the and the uh, the docking arm. I gotta figure out how to get in here. I'm gonna need to make. I, I need to make. I think a roll. I don't think. Yeah, I think. I think that this is in fact an obstacle. So the way that uh, rolling and stuff works in this game is that when there is an obstacle in your way, you describe how you want to try and get past that obstacle. Um, I, I codify the obstacle in this case. The obstacle is a locked airlock door. Um. Uh, and you sort of define what skills and stuff you're going to roll. So you build a dice pool based on your uh, uh, approach. So first we sort of talk about like what your approach is going to be. How do you want to try and get through it? If there is, I, I want to see if there is a... Uh, so I, I realized, I said I wanted to make a roll. I think that I don't want to use one of my earthly skills. I think I want to use my divine power. So I think sure. I want to spend a point out of my divine power pool because I think what I'd like to do because there's two moments that I really want to want to want to bust out here. One is I think there is a there is a moment of uh, lucid walking around, like poking at things, kind of like looking around and like there's this door. There's probably a keypad that has like stickers over it. Like mm -hmm. it's just so old and like it's been graffitied and stickered up. I want to, like, kind of, like, lean into that and, like, kind of conjure a sense of lightning and fire and, like, see the, like, as I tap keys on it. And as I'm tapping keys, my glitch is coming into effect and, like, those circuits are kind of running back and I'm kind of looking around and I, maybe I, like, I'm looking around and I'm, like, trying to, like, hide the patches that, like, circuitry is slowly, like, spreading over because, like, it's weird looking. It doesn't happen to other people's biomods. I'm like tapping and I'm like sensing where the lightning is flowing, which is to say I am sensing like the the patterns of electricity that is flowing through these keypads that is as like as I tap like I tap the as I'm just like tapping to kind of get the sense of like what's going to like feel like I can yeah, which I can keys read are going to make it open. Yeah, I yeah. think that that's fine. Uh, so. You spend a divine power point uh, to activate this ability. Um, uh, you have seven of those total that you can spend. Um, and then we, uh, yeah, you you sort of feeling around and you manage to find the 10-digit numerical code that'll open this thing after a few minutes of, of poking at it. Uh, and oh, and that, means that, that means that the circuits are all over and, like, I'm yeah. going to see if, like, at, like as I get inside, if I see any kind of, like, suit rack or, like, coat rack or anything or, like, uh, like, like things that have, like, a jacket on it, I'm throwing a jacket over because I just feel yeah, weird. Definitely. So the door uh, hesitates to open as it strains against the amount of stickers plastered over it, uh, and then it uh, rips them down that middle seam uh, and slides open, and this, like gust of uh stale air uh comes out uh and you're inside a like uh a proper ship uh 
airlock room. It's kind of almost like um like a scuba room or like a uh, or a or a mud room. Um, it's this space where you can put on spacesuits before going outside because when it's not docked to a ship, this is just the main uh like hatch to get onto the surface of the ship. Um, and you can see spaces where spacesuits would have been hung, uh, but they've definitely all been stolen mm. uh, over the over the years that it's been here. And you see a on the crumpled on the ground a uh, a dark green uh, coat with some rips and stuff in it. I mean, I'm putting on that coat. That's that's yeah. that's my first move. As I am, but I am also <laughs> going musky to, as you pick it up. <laughs> I kind of figured it would. Yeah, I am going to. Um, I think I am going to um, make a roll here. I'm going to call for one of my earthly skills, and I want to call for it. You tell me which of which of these you think this might fall into. I kind of have a thought, but like, well, first let's define what the obstacle is you're trying to get past. I think I think so. I think the obstacle. Because if it's something like you just want to know if you're being followed, that's not necessarily an obstacle. We can just you can just sort of ask that, and we know that you're a competent spy thief, super soldier. Okay. Then I then I think the question that I want to ask you, as mm-hmm. a comp, as somebody competent at this, as somebody that knows their shit. Where am I going to find obviously like there have been thieves on here before. Obviously there has been stuff stolen out of here previously. Mm-hmm. What is going to be the the way that I'm going to go that's going to get me as quickly as possible to a place where like so where like I am looking for the valuable thing mm-hmm. that that Lodo has told me about what like what's the path that's going to get me where I'm going? So as you open that door and you start th- and you realize that this place has been uh, pilfered before at least once, um, you start to think, all right, well, I'm going to need to get to the cargo containers. Maybe I should go outside, put on a vac suit uh, and you go manually inspect the containers and you immediately notice something's off. The panel on and door on the inside of this, the panel is clean and the door has been painted to look like it's never been opened. Huh. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you for free because we assume that you are competent uh, and you have been trained. This is disguised. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not, and, and to be clear, it's not somebody covering up that they've broken into here. It's this computer panel gets used it hasn't been used mm-hmm. in a while because the air was stale but it gets used um and the door has been disguised it's been painted to look like it's never been opened and me th- and the 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 way that the panel uh, like the indications that the panel been has been used is subtle it's like it was used in the last like six months mm-hmm. um not uh, and so there is dust on it, but it's uh, it's not a lot. It's not enough. It doesn't match the painting of the door. It's something that only somebody like trained in uh, in espionage would noticed um, mm. as standing out. A a cursory look wouldn't. A cop checking this yeah. out wouldn't. Even like a a veteran detective wouldn't 
notice that discrepancy. You're not even confident that like a forensic tech would notice the difference um, mm. and pick up on it. Um, but you notice because you have been trained to do this. Well, then I'm opening this door. I am. I'm opening this door. I think it's another door. spend of your divine power. I think it is. I think it is. Code, but you now at least know the kind of door and you yeah. recognize the system. Um, so mark off another spend of your divine power. Yep. I'm now at five and I am going to, I think there's also the obstacle here because this is open, which means there are people that have made, that have like put effort into occupying this space. Mm-hmm. I think that the obstacle that is in front of me is making myself as hidden as possible. Like avoiding I, being seen I by anybody that, that is here or obstacle. not. I was about to say, you. I was about to suggest that there's an obstacle to not be noticed opening this door because you don't know if there's going to be cameras and stuff on the other side. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a hidden obstacle. So how are we going to, what are you going to do to make sure you're not seen opening this door or, or detected? Um, I am, I'm very good at, at hiding. So I think like I can activate the door and then just like, it, like, cause that's going to make some level of noise. Yeah. Activate the door, then like hide behind a box or hide around a corner, find a place to like, like make sure like wait, give it a moment to see if anybody like comes and looks around. And then like, if not, you know, quickly, quickly kind of mission impossible my way around the door and like, just like, very obviously, like I, like uh, the, I guess the skill that I'm invoking here is stealth and evasion, but I am I specifically say, doing so, it in so sense. We, we've already we already have bypassed the door lock, so that's not an obstacle we have to worry about. Then the new obstacle is not mm-hmm. being detected, and so that's going to be a stealth and evasion check, which I mm-hmm. believe you have as a skill. That specialty. is a specialty. Yep. Cool. So we when we're building a dice pool to make an earthly skill roll or to overcome a, a, a something without using our divine powers. Um, you start with 2d10, um, because you're superhuman. If you were, if, for example, there was like an NPC that needed to roll, they would start at one, um, because they're not superhuman. Um, uh, so you start at 2d10, then you get plus one, uh, dice if it's, if you're invoking one of your skills, uh, and, and if it's a skill specialty, it's plus two. So you'll be rolling four. Okay. And I'm rolling for sevens or better. Yeah, sevens or better, and there's a there's a bit of a a a, a, a margin of success mechanic as well. But we'll we'll see if that matters. That is three successes. Nice, excellent. Yeah, brilliant. Um, do, 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 do I not have that written? Uh, so two or more successes is an outstanding success, which yes. means that I, everything goes perfectly, and yeah, you may an choose to give me something extra. Success. Yes, I was like, did I put this down as a reminder on the rules reminder section? And kind of, but not really. Um, uh, cool. Uh, brilliant. So yeah, unqualified success. The door uh opens. Uh, you sort of stand back and to the side, uh, in where one of the, like, suits would normally hang, and you can, uh, and you don't hear noise, and in fact, you can, you can tell by the quality of the air flowing through, that while this airlock section was, um, was stale, the inside air to the room you just opened, uh, is, uh, it's air-conditioned. Um, mm-hmm. and recycled. It's not like high quality recycled. It's almost like um, 
like a ship running on on a on a um, minimal power. Um, mm-hmm. But the atmosphere inside is being cleaned and refreshed uh, periodically, um, and you can just sort of tell that from the from the taste. You live in in a completely uh, conditioned uh, environment. Um, I think that the people of uh, New Heaven would be very used to changes in air quality, uh, uh, and be able to tell what tell the difference. Um, and so, yeah, you. Uh, you don't hear anyone on the inside and you don't see any light coming from inside, uh, which means that it's, that there's probably not anyone here. Statecraft tells, or not Statecraft, Espionage, uh, tells you that, uh, that you don't have to risk any person seeing you. Um, mm-hmm. you know that there's going to be uh, if this is a single room safe house, there is a camera above the doorway looking at the inside of the room. You can stand in the doorway without being detected, but once you step into the room, mm-hmm. uh, the camera will be able to see you, which means you'll be able to get a look at the inside of the room before anyone can see you, which means you'll also be able to tell if the camera is there. Um, uh, so what do you do? I'm going to make an immediate effort to, if it's there, disable this camera to... So you're going to step there, into the doorway? I'm going to... I think I think I stand under the doorway. Yep. And then reach kind of over my head, maybe kind of like do a little bit of a split, kind of like shimmy up the doorway a little bit, try to get my hands over the doorway... Mm-hmm. to feel if there's a camera there so that if there is, I can kind of like rip it out of the wall a little bit. Mm-hmm. You uh, you check, uh, you don't feel a camera and then you double check and you are confident that there is no camera there, which tells right. you that this room in here is a, a false uh, entryway, essentially. This is not the safe house. This is another corridor of protection between the outside and the safe house. Mm. Um, if that makes sense. That does make sense. That does make sense. Uh, and, and the room ahead of you is the, is the, um, what do you call it? The cockpit, the main uh, flight center for the wrath. Um, and you can see in front of you, you can see that the dust is, but there's, there's like a clear path on the ground where people have been walking in and out of here uh, over the years. Um, and then the, like, consoles are covered in condensation uh, and uh, and dirt, uh, like, like, like in Aliens when they find Ripley's uh, escape capsule. Um, can uh, I ask a, can I ask an espionage question? Yes. And you, and this may, this may constitute an obstacle. If it becomes an obstacle, we can, we can do that. I'm suspicious. Yep. I'm suspicious of this path. Specifically, I'm suspicious of this path. Because if this is a false safe house, if this is mm-hmm. designed to give you the appearance of a safe house, mm-hmm. something tells me that the actual safe house is on the other side of that door. And something tells me that there is going to be something in this, something here, that is going to keep me from, like, accurately getting to that safe house. And something tells me, the something tells me that that clean path is too inviting. 
So mm-hmm. I wonder if if I can like scan the 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 floors of the room mm-hmm. for specifically lighter areas of dust because my gut says that this clean path is going to be is going to be bad news and if they have if it has been if I am reading this correctly, if I'm not and it's just a path, that's fine. But if it is and and this path is suspiciously clean, I want to see if there's if there's spots on the floor where people have moved among the dust to to hide the fact that they have moved. Sure. So, um I think that this is probably a skill roll um of some description. The obstacle is um you're attempting to see through their uh, their obfuscation. You're trying to see past the information that's presented to see the to try and see the underlying truth of the of the room. Um, you you suspect that you're being played, and you want to see how. Yeah. Um. So what are we? What's our skill roll? Would you call this more security evaluation or target surveillance? I think it's security evaluation. Okay. I think. Then I'm going to roll. Then I'm rolling three dice here. Yeah, that sounds good. That is two successes. Fantastic. So, you you do notice a, a obfuscation here. Um... It's not what you thought, though. You thought that maybe this path was a further falsification, like how that door had been painted. Uh, you thought maybe they were, that there was some kind of trick laid here. Uh, you can see that they used to take effort to hide this path, and they stopped taking uh, effort to hide that path. If you had to guess, it's because the outer uh, uh, subterfuge was so successful that no one trying to break in here ever got past that inner that inner door of the airlock, um, mm. because people would have just been forcing the outer airlock open. They wouldn't have hacked the pad. It's just like more the pe- people casually at the docks breaking into ships aren't running uh, keypad uh, scams. They just got crowbars and, and jaws of life and just ripped the door open. The inner door, thinking back, you realize is much tougher, much more durable, uh, is in fact, you look back at it and realize that it is thicker than a normal uh, cargo ship airlock door would be, an inner airlock door specifically, uh, and it's probably a reinforced security door that wouldn't be able to be forced. You'd have to cut through it. Um, uh, and so no one's ever gotten into the inside, but there is something hidden here. As you're down on the ground, sort of like looking at the at the path, uh, you sort of look up at the underside of one of the consoles as you're getting up and you see a code and you immediately think back to your training uh, being run through how to hijack cargo vessels and use them for covert infiltration into bases. Uh, you were trained up on a military uh, uh, ship uh, flight simulator that had been programmed to appear like a uh, cargo thing. Uh, the Command consoles in this definitely a cargo ship uh, have military uh, navigation and control systems installed on them because you recognize the serial number from your training. 
Um, and you have like a bunch of, and a bunch of exploits flash through your head of like, you know, yeah, you can try and hack the console or if you enter in the, these three like security codes, it goes into like debug mode and then you can just like use the computer. Um, and it's just a whole bunch of training on like these specific systems that pass through somebody, whenever the wrath was commissioned for whatever, as the wrath, they ripped out the uh, flight control systems and replaced them with military flight control systems and then disguised the, the top of them as uh, commercial freighter uh, controls. So, like, the internal hardware of this ship is is pretending to be a civilian vessel, but is actually a military vessel, or at least military hardware. Who in the hell? Uh, and then All you right. see the door. And this door would normally lead to the crew compartment. Um, you know that on the other side there'd be a car. There would, in the normal layout of the ship, and you can see the map on the side of the door, there would be on the other side of this door a long corridor with um, rooms off of it that lead to a galley, some some crew bunks, a a medical room, like a l- very small infirmary, um, and a communal uh, bathroom. Um, that's what you would expect to see on the other side of the door. Uh, but there's no lock on it. It's just an. Uh, it's just a button. Then I'm pushing the button. I'm opening the door. You push the button, and immediately that is not what you see. You see a large open space almost like an open-planned office. This internal space is larger than the normal internal space of a cargo hauler of this type, which uh, you immediately know means that this is the, the, the shipping containers on the outside of the Wrath are, are hiding the true internal volume of the ship. And the room inside of you is a pretty advanced, op- uh, inside, in your view, rather, is a pretty advanced ops area. Uh... And you see, uh, you you see that there are, by design, no cameras in this room. Um, you you immediately look at it and go, "No, this is this is a black site. This oh. is somebody's black site." And you see, on uh, one of the the screens of a of a computer that is sort of like in sleep mode, the logo for Task Force Decker which is the mili- paramilitary organization tasked by the authority, the people that created you, with hunting you down and returning you to their facility. Uh, you recognize the badge from when you were still a prisoner. Uh, and it's just there, sort of rotating on a screensaver. <laughs> huh. Now look around. Uh, if you want me to describe more of the internal uh, layout, I can. Yeah. So you see there's sort of like a central conference table that's more like an ops station. You can see that there's like computers and stuff and like some some tools uh, sort of arranged around it, almost like rather than give you a whole bunch of workbenches, mm-hmm. we've given you like a shared workbench and then we've put the tool stations around it so you can like reconfigure the, the central bench there. Um, you see a weapons rack to your left, um, and on the on the wall that on the on the roof 
uh, essentially with almost extending into the false cargo containers on the outer skin of the of the raft, there are four kind of green tubes that you recognize as suspension and regeneration chambers, uh, kind of like cryo chambers, but more like a living organic material, almost like Bacta from, from Star mm-hmm. Wars or like, or that tank they put Rico in in Starship Troopers. Uh, mm-hmm. it's just like green tubes and three of the four are empty and one of them isn't. You see a, a, a soldier, you guess, definitely an operative. Are uh, inside the tube, missing an arm. They've got something over their face that looks like a like a breathing apparatus of some kind. Um, and they they've got uh, and the the arm that is missing uh, is slowly being regrown. Um, and uh, and you can see that they are some kind of biotech uh, soldier um, because they'd like have they. They don't have hair. They have quills, um, uh, and uh, and their and their skin looks uh, not quite like normal primate skin or, or mammalian skin. There's something else going on there. Um, I think, like, I look over this, and I think about, I think about Lodo mm-hmm. talking about trying to get in here. And I think I'm gonna quietly, quietly back out. Mm-hmm. Quietly close that door. Kind of make my way. I think I'm going to, as I know there are no cameras. Mm-hmm. As I know there are no cameras, and I know that I need to a get out of here quickly, and b potentially get out of here in a scuffle. I'm going to I'm going to shed the jacket, shake my arms out. I think I'll propose the obstacle of getting the fuck out of here. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Like I think obstacle. The obstacle of getting out of here uh quickly and I believe unseen. Yes. Sure. And I want to I want to like close my eyes, let my muscles, my shoulders relax and embody my physique of shadow, smoke and light as I as I flow out of here like mist on the wind. Yeah, you become a weird dark will o the wisp. And um, I dr- I drift out of yeah, I my bec- like my my bo- my limbs start to melt away and like potty parts are periodically appearing and disappearing and flickering lights and I am I am gliding away like a like a wisp on the wind to get the fuck out of here and to get back to get back to get back to the to the tenant council and to get back to Lodo. Yeah, I spend that divine power point, uh, which takes All you right. down four, I believe. Yes, it does. Um, and uh, and after after a few corridors down the docks, uh, you like rematerialize, and then you like walk walk into a crowd of um of like dock workers as they board onto the onto the uh, tram. Uh, that go- runs uh, runs around the dock, uh, and you hop off at a station near the big crane, and you and you walk uh, walk down the down the street, and you see uh, you see uh, Lodo 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 yeah Lodo Lodo is sort of like sitting out the front of your tenement, see 
Um, and he's like counting some some. Uh, you see, he's got like a he's got like a a, a like holographic uh, display screen open, and he's like switching tabs between playing some digital casino game and uh, and and balancing like uh, money paid and stuff. Like he is doing the 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 modern the modern to the to the setting equivalent of uh counting a big fat water cash uh-huh. while like like engaging in some kind of pastime um, working hard or hardly working uh well you know try not to try not to work hard you want to work you want to work lazy not hard that's uh, hell of a way to live look lazy workers find the best solutions that's what do you think I'm doing here, Lodo? I got something for you. Oh, fantastic! Uh, what do you got? What, what what was in there? What are, how? What are, what's going on? What do we got? What's uh, what are in them containers? Something something lucrative? Something oh. nobody? Something someone wants to hide? Oh oh, baby, you got no idea. Uh, and do we want to go in? Do we want to debrief Lodo, or do we want to sort of like fade to black? I think that is the perfect note of closure that I wanted. Yeah, that feels like a very good. That feels like an escalation of our partnership of a uh, yeah. and like some because real now ominous shit like, is on the horizon. I definitely think that if there was an epi- another episode to this, it would be like, well, how much do you bring him in? How much do you tell him who the, these people are? Yeah. Like, do you use this as an opportunity to strike at the authority? Because, yeah, taking out one of Tasmos Decker's black sites could have a serious impact. Definitely would mm-hmm. escalate force, but it would also like impact them. Um. So yeah, uh, what I what I did there for people playing at home too, because it is worth mentioning the the three forces of the authority, the factions that the enemy essentially, the people that created the player. Uh, pl- created the angels. Um, they've got these three like arms of their influence within the city that you can use, and uh, each of them has like a list of assets that they control. And Task Force Decker is, as I described them, like this military arm trying to recapture the player characters. But one of the one of the things they have is in their assets list is the CS Wrath, uh, which mm. is a a safe house in outer district. Um, and, uh, and I think it's probably my favorite set piece to use in a game. I think this is the second time I have shown the inside of the Wrath. Um, because I don't, I think it's a really great set piece. It's like, it's a cargo ship. It's a cargo ship that's got something weird going on with it. It's good. It's a good set piece. It's a, it's a good set piece. Point blank. Uh, and literally the only description in the, in the book, there's a bit in the Outer Docks where it talks about how the Wrath has been sitting there for years. And then there's a bit on the community, on the, on the, uh, on the authorities asset sheet that says the CS Wrath is an outer safe house, um, or a safe house in outer. And, uh, that's all the information and everything else is just sort of like made up on the fly. Um, uh, it is, yeah, you could describe it differently if you wanted, <laughs> but uh, that's but, yeah. great. I love that. That's that's sick. This was this was great. Thank you so much for playing this with me. This was wonderful. Yeah, you did an excellent job. And and one of the things that you did really well that like some of the other uh, when I've played it before, people have struggled with is that you as the player set up some of your obstacles mm-hmm. too. Like saying, I think that the, the ob- there's an obstacle here to like 
to see through an obfuscation. And I think that there's an obstacle here to try and get away without being seen because like, it, in, for my mind, I'm like, well, there actually isn't anything being mm-hmm. hidden here in this part, and and there actually isn't anyone pursuing you. They don't know you're there, but like your character doesn't necessarily know that, so maybe they do react in a panic, and so like it's it's we present it like it's a like it's a real a quote unquote real obstacle, but what it really is, it's a a mental obstacle. It's an internal mm-hmm. like. Uh, like your 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 paranoia is playing uh, uh, is positioning an obstacle against you, um, and I think that that is that is definitely something that I need to think about doing more on purpose as a as a facilitator of this game. Uh, but I think it, uh, that was that was fantastic. Um, uh, I really loved uh, running it um, again. Um, I love any opportunity to show off. Uh, make our own heaven. <laughs> This was great. This was so, so much fun. Um, so real quick, before we wrap up, where can people find you and your work online? Yeah, so I'm active on Twitter and Itch. Uh, you can find me on Itch by searching for uh, Razor, like Solar Rays of Light or, or Usul Ray. Uh, there'll be a, there'll, I'm sure that there'll be a link in the show notes yes, uh, indeed. to my profile. Yes, indeed. Uh, and you can find me on itch by searching for Razor or searching for Make Our Own Heaven. That's where I post all of my games and some of my other work. Um, if, if you want to follow me as, uh, get design insights, follow me on Twitter where I talk about my game design and whatever else I'm thinking about. And if you want to just see, uh, some more of my games or pick up a copy of make your own heaven for yourself, check me out on itch. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show. This was an incredibly delightful episode. And for now, I'm going to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the show. Take a future me. Thanks past me. And thanks again to Ray for coming on to the show. That game was absolutely incredible just a breathtaking experience from top to bottom and i'm really glad i got to play it be sure to head to the show notes to pick up your own copy of make our own heaven and be sure to follow ray on twitter at usel ray that's usel ray 1500 then while you're on twitter follow us at party of one pod like the show on facebook at facebook.com slash party of one podcast join our discord community at bit.ly slash party of one discord to talk about the show and wrestling and game shows and all other kinds of stuff i don't know it's a good hangout spot and if you really really enjoyed the show there's a few different ways that you can support it you can support it financially at patreon.com slash jeff stormer or ko-fi.com slash jeff stormer you can leave us a nice review on Podchaser, itunes spotify wherever you're listening to podcasts probably has some kind of review function i don't know figure it out i'm not a, i'm not your manager Or you can, you know, tell us that you like the show on social media, tell a friend about the show, anything that helps us do bigger, better, and cooler things. And if you finish the episode and you think, gosh, I really wish I could just wear Party of One on my chest, I've got great news for you. Head to bit.ly slash Party of One merch. You can get a Party of One logo t-shirt. You can get a uh, Party of One Thanks Future Me uh, Past Me shirt, which is designed by Caro Assertion. Uh, It is a wonderful shirt that I love a whole lot. Or you can get a shirt that proudly tells the world that Champ and Crowbar love each other. Again, that's bit.ly slash party of one merch. And finally, if you're at this moment and you're thinking, God, I wish I just had one more podcast in my day. I've got great news for you. All My Fantasy Children is a character creation, storytelling, and world building podcast powered by you. Every week, my best friend Aaron Catano Saez and I take a listener submitted prompt. We spin it into an original fantasy character and populate a shared universe one story at a time. New episodes drop every Friday-ish on the One Shot Podcast Network at oneshotpodcast.com. Party of One is produced and edited, as always, by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. All music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Megaran, featuring the D&D Sluggers, and the Party of One logo is by Evan Rowland. 
If you'd like to inquire about advertising rates coming onto the show as a guest or about press coverage of the show, you can email me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. And that is actually all we do here. So until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance. And as always, party on, everybody. Party on, everybody.